death taxes and team kids. The only things we can be sure of that will ruin our lives. Facts. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Tony Vlachos and Sandra Diaz Twine. You're making these up now. (laughs) (laughs) No, these are affectionately, these two humans are affectionately referred to as the king and queen of Survivor because they are the only two-time winners of the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, Survivor. And we're talking today about surviving, surviving, I can't talk today, the modern mega climbing gym. And essentially, we're going to look at the five features of modern mega gyms that influence how we interact with them and how we conduct our sessions. I think there are kind of five big areas um, that we can look at here. And maybe we can give some actionable information for folks on how to avoid the 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 death of climbing that could happen (laughs) if you don't actively try to avoid it. Um, And I am not super familiar with how to survive in the modern climbing gym because I'm I feel lucky actually that I never fortunate had to spend a lot of time in modern climbing gyms. I have during workshops and clinics that we've done. Um, So I've gotten to know them a little bit and sort of understand the the layout and what goes on in there. But the vast majority of my time has been spent in pretty small gyms and now in a home gym that has all the things I need and really nothing more. Um, So I do feel pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a lot what a lot of my past experiences were, climbing in really small gyms, a lot of home walls, um, just tiny little places, you know, everything was always plywood walls. Yeah. Um, And that was just what was common for me for a long time. But, you know, for the last two years, I was in Houston climbing at one of the massive mega gyms there, which, let me just say, an incredible place, like as far as... It's enormous, beautiful, like everything you could want and need and lots more for climbing. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the features that I love of the smaller gym is the tight knit community. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that I've found really hard to recognize in huge mega gyms. Um, there doesn't seem to be as central a tight-knit community. I'm sure they exist um, kind of on the periphery and little cliques and things like that, but mm-hmm. not really a tight-knit community. And um, I do think you were lucky to climb at a gym where, and I've said this several times on the podcast, that Sydney, who was the manager over there, really created a, a fantastic community and cultivated a community with the employees and the you know, the patrons. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. 
super grateful for that. Um, you know, and something that we both kind of noticed as we traveled the country, it did seem like the further from rocks you got, the more a community formed in gyms, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Cause you go, I mean, yeah, you go, you go to a gym in like Colorado and I mean, people know each other, but what was super common, I mean, we, you know, we would do workshops in places where people would be like, oh yeah, like climb around that guy three nights a week, but never said hi, don't know what their name is or right. anything like that. Cause you know, the gym is much more of a utility in a lot of these places where your main focus is climbing and the gym is like what you do when you can't be climbing outside. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally. So I do think you're lucky in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start number one. The thing you see when you first walk up to a gym, into the gym, are the holds and the walls. You know, this is essentially the um, the scaffolding for this business. If the if the setting is the product that they're putting out, then the holds and the walls are the the scaffolding for that business. Um, so, I think in the in the modern mega gym, the big change that I've seen over the years and that that I see in every gym is that it's kind of like big macro holds, big volumes, um, big sweeping walls, um, pretty tall walls, walls. um, scary tall in a lot of cases. Um, and almost all the holds are super friendly. Um, yeah, you know, there's not, there's not the tweaky, hard to use um little crimps anymore uh, at least not regularly um pockets maybe make a comeback here and there but mm-hmm. they're usually absent um so talk to me a little about the holds walls um that sort of thing that we see in the gym and how we can how we can make sure we're getting what we need if we're outdoor rock climbers yeah um you know i think you nailed it in a lot of fronts like holds are bigger they're beautiful. They're pretty. Um, and with all the real estate that's there, I mean, you know, tons of square footage, you have to have big holds to fill up the space. Absolutely. And because now route setters use hold color mm-hmm. to denote uh, your climbs rather than tape. And so you have to have a lot more distance between climbs. Like they even have to take things like color blindness into account because once chalk gets on holds, they kind of all become a pretty general similar shades. So you can't put, you know, reds right next to oranges or blues right next mm-hmm. to greens. Like yeah. you have to be or purples next to black. Like there are all these different things that you have to like kind of be aware of. Um, and because of that, you need to spread your climbs out a little bit more. And when you spread those climbs out, little holds look awful. Like yep. if you have a big, pretty, you know, 15 foot tall wall, that's a 45 foot wide, you know, swath. And you have these little micro crimps on it and, you know, no volumes, no big holds. It looks awful. You're just like, hey, uh, setters didn't show up for work this week. Like, <laughs> they just put some foot jibs up and called it a day. Like, it, and it looks so good with these big volumes, big holds. Yeah. I mean, um, I remember you and I going into a gym. Um, oh, the name just popped out of my head. Um, in Virginia. Oh, uh, sport, was that? Sport Rock. Rock. Yeah. And there was a a route in there that was like all these enormous, like human-sized half moons and 
you could have fit inside every one of those volumes. Yeah. And both of us were like, oh, we, we have to climb that. We'll be top roping this right now. That's, that's the first thing I want to do right there as soon as I'm warmed up. Yeah. Yeah. And also top roping, not leading, because leading that would have been horrifying. <laughs> Terrible. Those holds <laughs> stuck out like three feet from the wall. Yeah. It's just like trad climbing five, six. Like, I guess I'll just die. Like, yeah, you get stuck in a chasm and have to be rescued. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris, I need you to go to the top and lower a rope down. Get me out. Yep, but it looks great. It looks looks amazing. Super fun to climb. So super. Fun. I'm not mad at the giant holds. You know? Yeah. Um, so there's some cool things about that. I think one thing that's important to keep in mind with these bigger shapes is that it they're more ergonomic often, which lets you get a higher volume of climbing in. It's lower impact, but you know it's harder to prepare yourself for small crimps. Like what I see in a lot of gyms between like traveling and where I was climbing is they will kind of sprinkle in a few crimp lines here or there. And some gyms even kind of have a limit. They're like, hey, we're not going to put hard crimping in on an overhang until it hits V6, V7, V8, something like that, which ironically makes it really hard to warm up for those things. Right, totally. I'm like, I would love some little like V4 heinous crimp problems. And hard to build up to them. Yeah. I've... I've heard some coaches say that the skills you use at V7 aren't the skills you use at V10, but frankly, that's bullshit. They're the exact same skills, and it's the same way with V3 to V6. Um, why not yeah. learn those skills at a lower level so that you can apply them once you get to V6? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, like same similar thing with pockets. I've heard of people say like, I've heard route setters say, you know, we're not going to put pockets on anything below V6 unless it's like vert or slab kind of thing. And it's just absolute bucket pockets. Like we're not going to set hard pocket moves until it's something harder because harder climbers should be able to prepare themselves better or they'll be prepared. But the irony is that if they're not there, you're not going to be prepared. Right. You're you're assuming they're going to prepare themselves on their own for this thing that you then throw at them later. And I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, and bigger holds are easier to use for your feet for sure. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was joking just the other day that there are times I'll be climbing and I'm using like on a 45 half pad end cut crimps and I'm stepping on toasters. Right. Like totally could not have bigger footholds and it's like, okay, like that's cool. I could climb this in my tennis shoes, but like, this is not what I want to be doing you know, as, as someone who wants to prepare for the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some ways around these things in the modern mega gym? Is there a way to get yourself prepared for small crimps or for pockets or for little feet, um, that you, you're very likely to encounter when you go outside? Um, I think there are, you know, and this is kind of specific just to hold types so far. We haven't talked about the walls yet, but, um, I think for like for footholds, we have a drill that we like to use called worst feet in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you practice climbing boulders, but stepping on either worst footholds that are around or step on small little um, details of the holds that are near you. So maybe yeah. it's just, it's a big font, you know, font ripply sloper, step on a tiny little ripple in the corner, like yeah. things like that. So intentionally use worst footholds. Um, I've got, I've had some clients who climb out in Smith and when they go to the gym, they'll just use the, uh, bolt hole in all the holds. Yeah, totally. Which is uh, amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't even step on the holds during this drill. They just step either that or 
You know, they pull a, pull a brook rabbit to and step in the bolt holes. Yeah, the bolt the hole on holes. the wall, the tina hole, or I, I really like the bolt hole on the holds themselves, especially for these big macro holds. I think that's yeah. smart. Yeah, so you can do things like that to practice worse feet. Um, as far as crimping goes, like you can make up boulders. I think going to, you know, I think making up is a good way to go, but also seek out the things that do exist because mm-hmm. one thing that I did notice, like let's say, you know, this whole, your whole gym might only have a handful of like really hard, like micro crimp lines because mm-hmm. they're not that popular. They're not super fun. I would much, I would much rather for enjoyment climb on, you know, some beefy rounded comfy holds that I'm like monkeying around on. Oh yeah. Every day. Yeah. yeah way more fun. Um, but these little crimp lines exist. So you kind of have to go hunt them out and repeat them and repeat and repeat and repeat as long as they're around. Yeah. And I think, you know, even though gyms don't have a ton of density like they used to, um, and that's something we should maybe talk about as well because it does hold us back in some ways, but, Mm -hmm. um, there's almost always a way to make up slight variations of things um, so, you know, maybe you're climbing V4 and there's a V7 crimp line right next to this V4 you're doing. Add in one of those crimps using your big V7 or big V4 feet and, you know, go jug, crimp, jug instead of um, jug, jug, jug or whatever, you know. Make up little variations. It doesn't have to be an entirely new problem. It can just be one hold that makes the difference. Absolutely. You know, and to kind of carry off of that to... We talked about this is uh, the sections on hold and walls. The walls in big gyms are enormous. Yeah. Once again, they're really pretty, and you have these big open spaces. It would look silly to have eight foot tall walls right. and t- inside of you know places with 40, 40 or fifty foot ceilings. Right. Um, so they don't. They put in you know something that's a third of the height of the gym essentially, and they're kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like they're scary. Man, I've seen a lot of bad falls. Like. And also, I think as far as for trying to get top-end power, like big, long boulder problems isn't the best way about it. Yeah, totally. And, you know, even if it's, even if it's not a bad fall, there, you're almost always being a little more cautious up there. So yeah. it's holding you back from giving 100% effort in a lot of cases. Um, I mean, you know, we're we're held back from giving 100% effort just because we're humans most of the time. You know, mm-hmm. our body's regulating that. But you can't give your top effort when you're also scared and worried about this fall. And, I mean, it's a real thing to get up there and be, be scared, be breathing harder. Um, first time I climbed in a, a mega gym with a mask on... <laughs> I was like, I couldn't breathe after the top of some of these boulders because I was scared up there. I was holding my breath, you know, Mm -hmm. and it really just pointed out to me that people who are, who really put a lot of stock in, I have to top this boulder. I have to top this boulder. A lot of them are spending a lot of energy just being scared, which also has its benefits, you know, Uh, that's what you want to work through. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, I think a good way to think about it is. If you ever feel like you're high enough off the ground that you should down climb before you drop, you're probably high enough off the ground that you're not just like, you know, eyes closed, everything flexed, going for it (laughs) on that next hold. Like something that was really, I think, 
special about a gym I used to climb at, Tennessee Bouldering Authority, no longer around. You know, I talked about earlier how everyone everyone wants to climb in these uh, dingy little, you know, dungeon training centers that are all mm-hmm. plywood and dark, and it's just for, you know, the strong kids. Everyone wants that, but uh, they all seem to be going out of business. Yeah. And it's because they're not fun and they're not pretty. Or they can be fun, but it's... And the people who want that aren't the people who want to pay for memberships Ex- either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is a They want everything point. free. Let me set a boulder a month and give me free membership. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, those are the kind of gyms that do those deals. Yeah. Um, but this facility, their padding was all doubled up mattresses mm-hmm. for the whole place. Tiny place. So that's not a lot of mattresses. Um, but... In a one way, it was super janky, and you're just like, God, I'm gonna like hit a spring again today. But what was amazing about it was the walls weren't super tall; like the walls started at ground level, and so they rose up above the mattresses. So already you had like a two foot buffer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the walls were maybe only like ten, eleven feet. So at the very top, you hung your feet down. Your feet were maybe two feet off of the right. doubled up mattresses. You could do a layout dyno from a hold at the top of the wall to another hold at the top of the wall, practically land on your neck and you would just like <laughs> bounce and be fine. And like- Not recommended. Not rec- I mean, it's it's closed. <laughs> I don't think they're too worried about me like s- selling people on like neck <clears throat> diving. But, but what was amazing about it was everyone just went all out. Like you would fall yeah. on your side and back literally, you know, nine out of your 10 times. Like, yep. and that was fine. Like you never thought about sticking a landing and some people are like, oh, that's bad for outdoors. But like, yep. you know, this is training. We can separate training from outdoors. Right. And when I look at these modern mega gyms, no one goes like that. No, I mean, not if, people that survive. No, when I'm in a mega gym and I watch people, it's almost always they drop off because they're scared or they half-ass it and don't get there. Mm-hmm. And they're already looking for their landing you know, halfway through the move because they know they're not going to get there because they just half-assed it. Totally. Um, And I do that myself in those mega gyms. You know, I'll climb up and be like, nope, not committing to this. This problem ended right here. Yeah, it's like when they're doing hard foot cuts, it's like their brain is halfway torn between, I'm going to try and stick this hold, but I also want to land on my feet. Exactly. (laughs) Like, and you see it and it's like, everyone always lands on their feet in the gym. Like sometimes they hit and like roll back to their butt. But like, how many times have you seen people just backsplat? Like, yeah, not that often, but also like, please don't backsplat from 14 feet. It's a a real skill to be able to harness that. And not a lot of people can do it. Um, Do you remember, I think it was collegiate nationals at Momentum in Houston and Maddie, yeah, local superstar Mm -hmm. went for it and didn't hold the swing and Landed on her neck, essentially, from way up, and it was a really scary fall. I think Brooke Rabatou got a knee injury or an ankle, pretty bad ankle injury at that same gym. Mm. During, um, we were there to coach a workshop. Was that, what was that, uh, National Cup series? Yeah, that was a National Cup yeah, series. I think she actually had like an injury that put her out for a little while. Yeah, it's it's not surprising, you know, and and that's not that's not just in that gym, that's in... So that's a lot just, of gyms all around the country that I've climbed in. Yeah. And um, one thing I think we can do to alleviate that is, you know, I tell a lot of my clients, I, I coach quite a few folks who are 40 and above, and I'm just like, don't ignore the arbitrary finish that the setter put up there 
and stop the boulder wherever you want to. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, especially if the crux isn't at the top, you've already climbed the grade, Mm -hmm. you know, and regardless of the grade, we're just looking for you to challenge yourself. So get on something that's a grade too hard for you and finish it below the crux, you know, as long as it's challenging, as long as it, as long as you're having to project it for the right, right amount of time that we're looking for, then it's totally valid and it doesn't matter what the arbitrary finish is. Absolutely. And this was something I was going to bring up because you were saying, hey, if you're a V4 climber, add that V7 crimp. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, like, you know, I've had, I've trained people who they're like V4, V5. Honestly, they would probably climb like V6 consistently if they weren't scared of how tall walls are. And I'm like, hey, most most setting in modern mega gyms isn't super cruxy. It's more power endurance. Go get on a V7. I bet you you can go halfway up a V7. Yep. And that does two things. One, it gives them the appropriate difficulty to, to work on. But two, suddenly they're like, oh, I can do the moves on V7s. Yeah, totally. Like, that's cool. Like, you know, because they are <clears throat> so afraid to commit to, let's say, V6. Because they're like, well, I see it's a big move to the top. And mm-hmm. V6 is hard. And I'm going to be tired up there. And I don't want to take a bad fall. But if I can put them on, you know, V7, they go halfway and they're like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I could maybe do harder. Yep. How do you feel about wall angles in the mega gyms? I personally feel like in that aspect of things, gyms have gone the right direction for sure. Because slab is back? for climbers. Slab is back. Vert is popular. They aren't doing giant arches and weird boxes all the time i'm, re- I'm happy for a thousand angles in yeah i'm happy for arches to kind of be dying and especially though there used to be a really popular like stair step method of like mm-hmm. horizontal roof to 90 degree vert horizontal yep. roof 90 degree vert and they look kind of cool all these like really aggressive angle changes it'll be like you know it looks cool but if you've ever tried to route set on those walls it's off right like, right. oh, you can stim at any time. Or also lip turns from a roof to, to a vert wall, awful. Not fun to <laughs> climb on, not fun to set. It's just trash. Um, so I'm really happy that we have like better, bigger walls. Not necessarily bigger, but um, we have a lot better walls and better angles. Yep. I think the slab's cool. Bigger um, sport walls though, which I do like. Yo, those are great. Yeah, I love- know, It used to be you had to do up, down, ups in order to get enough mileage to simulate a sport climb yeah nowadays i'm like stop that fucking route halfway up if you have to we're not we're training for (laughs) wild iris we're not training for red river gorge here yeah i remember the first time i went to a 45 foot sport climbing gym and i was like whoa i'm gonna get pumped and now you go into a 45 foot gym you're like i'm gonna have to traverse into this thing yeah i mean when you and i climbed to sport rock we did a a sport climbing session and it was was like huge 80 foot walls we were just like (laughs) giggling the whole time we were like if we had this we never would have fallen in the red yeah like you just would yeah you just get super fit and that's just it yeah um before we move on from this topic let's talk a little bit about the density um you know, I think oh, it holds yeah. folks back for like circuits or, you know, it can hold you back in terms of being able to make up your own boulders. You know, when I came up in the gym, it was, it was almost spray wall style everywhere. And yeah, one of the most fun, um, best things about climbing back in those days was that you would sit around with your friends and make up boulders based on what was already on the wall. You didn't have to add holds because there were lots of them there. There's tape everywhere, but, mm-hmm. but you could make up boulders. Um, 
and it was so much fun to do that. And I think that's been lost a little bit in the modern Mega Jam. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the old standard used to be uh, there were a handful of people that would come in once a month. They got free membership for this. There were no paid route setters. Yeah, that was yeah. not a thing. Sad days. And they would just litter a wall with a ton of holds. And then like rolls of tape would kind of stay out or, you know, they'd be in a closet that was easy access. So like, you know, there was then, there was the the guard of people who could like, they could sort of set and tape things. Right. Like there were the setters, then there was like the second tier people who were entrusted to be able to go yep. tape something and put the right squiggly sign on uh yeah or the, the right tape. right sticker from the grocery store or something exactly like that. Yeah. from we uh because we got whataburger in um texas so they have stickers that they put on the burger for like no onion extra bacon <laughs> things like that so every now and then perfect there'd be those it's like the pink <clears throat> with the the bacon stickers mm-hmm. um but that used to be it like and now we have route setters who are starting to get paid more and more which is awesome and man that's a hard profession and i think well, they should be compensated well for it. Yep. Um, living wages. But, you know, and with that, there's a lot, like a lot of the things that we got rid of, I love that we got rid of tape. I Same. thought that was going to be a terrible idea initially. I was like, I loved my tape. But man, as a route setter of that era, when the transition happened, the first day I did it, I was like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> this is better. I don't have to tape it. I don't have to take tape down. Amazing. Um there are a lot of things that have gone in the right direction, but we've lost density. Like people love fast turnover. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something we'll talk about later, but you know, you can't have a super dense wall that also is set by color that also is turned over quickly. Unless you just have a team of, you know, a monstrous team of setters in most climbers in the gym don't want to spend that much time on one wall. They want to go to the next wall, you know? <clears throat> oh, this wall is set on Tuesday. Well, Thursday, there's a new set. I'm going to go to the new set. Like yeah. they don't want to spend time climbing 60 boulders on a 15 foot wide wall. Yeah. And you know, I have a, a big spray wall here at home and I can, I can very easily pick out when new people come into the gym, whether they're a spray wall climber or not, um, by the way they can remember the boulders. Mm-hmm. Um, or you just get overwhelmed and it's it's really hard. You have to put some real intention for multiple sessions in order to kind of get the lay of the land and understand that wall. And in the big mega gym, like you just said, when people want to be moving around, uh, it makes a spray wall style wall tough for people because they never end up putting in the time to really understand the wall and get to know it. So they're never able to give big efforts because they can't even remember where the damned holds are. Yeah. You know, and uh, this is something, yesterday we recorded a patron podcast on mem- route memory. Mm-hmm. And I had completely forgotten about this till just now. I was talking with a client a few weeks ago and we were talking about memory on route because I was like, hey, how's your route memory? He's transitioning from bouldering into sport climbing. And fortunately, he's like, oh, I've got great memory for that. And we sort of talked about like, what do you think creates that? And one of the things we talked about that we both stumbled on was we both started climbing in gyms, you know, 15 plus years ago where makeups were almost everything. Mm -hmm. Like you would have the initial things, but then you would like have like new taped sets, but also taped fell, tape fell off. So you sort of had to remember what was there. But I mean, the makeups were half, like that was half the fun. 
Like, you know, you had the, the set things, but like the makeups was where the money was. And so you'd always memorize all these different things. And it was like a spray wall. And he did that as well. And we were, you know, there's something that was like, maybe there's something to that, like developing boulder and route memory from climbing on spray walls, essentially, mm-hmm. or doing makeup boulders. Yeah, totally. And, I, you know, I think there there has been a trend the last bunch of years um, for modern mega gyms to have spray walls somewhere in the gym. Um, you and I have seen in our travels that they're very often totally empty. Oh, There's desolate. nobody climbing on them, you know, mm-hmm. cobwebs. And and I think that's a shame. I think if if you want to be good at outdoor rock climbing, if you want to hone those skills, a good way to get around the lack of density and the the lack of creativity and being allowed to make up your own boulders, go to the spray wall. You know, we've got a we've got a great course that I put together with my friend Zach Alexander, Boulder Builder, that is essentially about if you have a spray wall or a board in front of you already. How can you make up really effective, fun, challenging boulders? Mm-hmm. Um, so the the links to that are right there in your show notes. And if you have a spray wall in your gym and you haven't utilized it, check it out. Yeah. Um, last thing I'll say real quickly on hold types is skin. Mm, good, um, yeah, for sure. Because, man, I love the big fiberglass holds. They're so cool. Yeah. You know, I watch comp climbers and I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do paddle dinos, you know, like Kyra Condi and all these other people. Super cool. Super I don't want rad. Kyra Condi skin though. Oh God. No. And that's just it. Like <laughs> they're like, oh, I made it through from qualifiers <clears throat> to semis. And then they show a photo of their hands and they've got like seven bleeding tips. And it's like, I hope that ring finger really carries you in semis. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Like it's always so <clears throat> bad. Or they'll be like, I mean, so we've got, you know, in this World Cup season, there are comps where there are only two weeks or even one week between bouldering comps, yeah. you can't grow back skin that fast. Right. It's not possible. Like if you go through to where you bleed, like that's it. Like that immediately adds like a week of heal time to have good skin. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you're going to stop bleeding, um, but you're not going to have good skin for a long time. And you're going to bleed faster the next week. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's unfortunate. Like I think these holds are really sick. The problems on them are so fun. I mean, I like... I would always almost get sad climbing on them because I would get to try them like twice. And then I'd look down and be like, well, I've almost got like pink skin already Mm -hmm. from like two paddle dinos and I want to go climb hard on crimps. And if I, you know, if I go through too thin, my skin's just going to sweat or like leak plasma essentially. Like, Yeah, exactly. Or I'm going to bleed and that's useless to me. So I do think between the fiberglass holds, volume climbing, and a lot of new holds, Mm -hmm. man, you can get torn up fast. Yeah, so. limit your time on those things if you're if you want to climb more days, be effective more days or you have outdoor climbing coming up, you really have to be careful about limiting your time on new grips. Um anytime I buy new grips on my wall, I sand them down as soon as I get them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, let's get rid of this texture as much as possible. Um and I'm glad that I do. Uh, you and I climbed at a gym in San Francisco, Dog Patch, I think. Yep. Um, and they had had some flooring issues where they their original floor was all vinyl and it had caused their holds to get kind of grimy and polished really quickly. And yeah. I was like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> like, we can climb all day in here. Yeah. Because 
we don't have to deal with any new texture. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that that's really funny. Like, I remember the first time I climbed on a moon board back in like 2011. I climbed on it and I was like, God, I just wish these holds were more slippery. They were super textured, like sharp. And I was like, I wish someone would go through and just like, you know, if it was my board, I would have like just sanded them down mm-hmm. and have them be slippery or not fully slippery, but just like not gritty to where I was going to like, like yeah. I split a tip my second time ever climbing on a moon board. And that was the first time in my life I'd ever split a tip indoors. Right. I was like, this is absurd. But now, you know, now I want to do some benchmarks. I want, I want those sticky grips. Like, yep, I bet you do. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very funny. Like, I think it's important to have that mindset. If your goal is to use this, you know, use the gym as training to prepare for outdoors, or if you're just in the season where you need to keep skin, like it's good to keep that in mind. But you know, if, Hey, if you're indoors and you're trying to send some benchmarks, you know, those sticky grips, brush the brush thy board. Mm -hmm. as Ravioli says, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let's uh let's move on to turnover rate. I think this is one of the big hallmarks of gyms, um, commercial gyms, mega gyms, and I suspect it's about average of four to six week turnover. Um, mm-hmm. That's about how long a boulder is going to last. I don't really know how long sport climbs last anymore. Oh, I have no idea. Um, in the gym that I climbed in, they lasted like a year, so it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could project a thing forever. Um, but boulders would disappear in four weeks. You yeah. Know, that's how long they would be up. And that's so sad. <clears throat> yeah. And that reduces our ability to have long-term projects. Um, it also causes this interesting herd mentality. I talked about it in my book, The Hard Truth, where a new set pops up and that's where everybody is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the, by the second week, a boulder has been up, nobody climbs on it anymore because there's two new sets already and we have to go do all the new sets, you know? And I've criticized this in the past as a, a way to sort of keep people in the same zone of difficulty and people fall into this trap where it's like, I'm going to go to do all the new V4s. Next week, I'm going to go do all the new V4s. Mm-hmm. Next week, all the new V4s and so on and so on and so on for a decade, you know? <laughs> so... What's your experience with turnover? You were in a much bigger gym. Um, Huge so facility. was the turnover as fast? Ultra fast. I think like six weeks. Mm. Man, those setters, just good for them for putting... And they put up a lot of boulders per set. And like, a lot of good boulders. So, oh, and great boulders. You know, not complaining about that at all. No, and it is not... The, like, I don't blame setters for this. Because, like, I remember I was talking with one of them at one point, And because I was like, you know it would be great? Half the turnover, double the density. Mm-hmm. Like, can we make this a three-month turnover? But you just like <laughs> yeah, double set every time, like every one. And I was like, that would be amazing. Like double back and just increase more density. And they were like, let me show you something. And it was just like a box of comment cards. Mm. Every third one is like, the holds get dirty too fast from hold from things not being set fast enough. We need more pro. We need more problems. Set faster. Turn over faster. Wow, that's crazy to me. And they turned over two walls a week. And I mean like walls, not like, oh, this is a little section. Like we'll right. do this little panel today and that panel next week. No, like big sections. And yeah, people, and I'd hear it in the gym too. People would just be like, you know, it would be the second day of a set. And they're like, oh, I can't wait till Thursday when the next set comes out. Yeah, I need more of those V4s. 
exactly ever and ever and ever you know and i think some people do fine with this um the people who are in the gym like six seven days a week they do pretty fine because they can i mean honestly they can like kind of climb out a set or like climb out what they're going to be able to do quickly. quickly yeah um so that's not as big of a deal and also a lot of times those are the people complaining or they're mm-hmm. like in there six days a week, uh, though they could always go back to the old sets and right. climb things that are harder for them. Yeah. But I wonder if any, have you ever heard of something like this or if any gyms do it, but, you know, keep the same turnover rate, keep the same density, but do a, do a poll every week with what, what from this set would you vote to keep up? Mm-hmm. You know, let the community vote on it. And every time you turn it over, keep one boulder up. Um, whatever the most people are projecting and want to keep up. I, I think that would be super fun. Like, here's yeah. this here's this boulder that's now been up for nine months because keep, people keep voting it in. <laughs> you know, I would, I would love that. They like mark it, take it down, wash it, put it right back up. <clears throat> I've done that with a sport route in the gym, actually. And I have a... Note in my Google Calendar, <laughs> RIP Yellow Root, that Yasmin and I both have, and we send each other messages on the the death of the Yellow Root when it finally got taken down for good. Yeah, <laughs> like so that I mean that's something that. Um. So used to climb at TBA in Chattanooga, and this turnover was like kind of slow. Like to me, it was perfect. I would never ever called it slow, but you know, there were a lot of strong climbers there. Like that was where Jimmy Webb and like Brian Voges to V15 plus climbers were at. And they would just keep their projects up. Cause like whenever right. we'd go through and strip the wall, like if someone, or if someone had a project that they were psyched on, it would just stay another round. And you know, if it's good enough for a bunch of these super strong people, like that's probably good enough for most people. Yeah. But it's a, I mean, I get it. Like I don't blame setters. Honestly, I blame the patrons. Like, and I want it. Like, I want new sets because it's fun. It's a great distraction. Like, yeah. why would I want to go back to a boulder that's hard for me and hurting my feelings if I can go to the new set, shiny things? More V4s. Man, might be a soft one this time. I love that. I mean, I do like the soft ones. I'm not, I'm um, absolutely not mad at soft ones. Yeah. But I mean, there are a few things like, Circuits are super tough with high turnover rate. Man, I yeah. I got <clears throat> devastated last year. And obviously I knew it was going to happen, but I wasn't prepared emotionally. Um, mm-hmm. I was training for a sport climbing trip and I had an eight, eight month plan written out. Or not eight month, eight week, eight month, Jesus. Um, I was like, wow, you did live in Houston. It might as well have been <laughs> eight months. Let's be real. I've got a six year training plan I'm working on. Yeah. Um, eight week plan. Six week turnover, you know, we, we both know how numbers work, but I started building these circuits. I had, you know, power endurance circuits, endurance circuits, linked four by four boulders, all these different things. And I started with the newest set when I did it. Cause I was like, I want this to last. And I tried to trickle in things as I would go, but also as I got fitter and stronger, I kept kind of like initially what were like good double boulders for me became oh, this is a good triple boulder or a good four by four. Like none of them made to a linked four by four boulder. That was like a dream. I was like, I'll end up doing this four times in a row without (laughs) resting, down climbing drugs. No, it's just like, it's going to be a little easier to do doubles on it. Um, But man, the six week mark hit and I was just flying and I went in one day. I don't know what lies I had been telling myself. (laughs) 
but I just saw like, I was like, oh, half my circuit's gone. Yeah. Like, cause I had unknowingly like come back to the, some of the old sets and the old sets no one went to anymore. It was perfect. Yeah. Like, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to use this for my limit boulders and all my endurance work and power endurance work. Cause like it's empty. This is the perfect place for me to take up the whole wall. And they all went down and I was just like, I was like, oh, I don't even care anymore. Um, and so it was like, I right, like kind of coasted in the last two weeks, got good work in, but it was like, I was like, this sucks. And same thing for repeating hard boulders. I think hard boulder circuits are maybe the most underrated training tool in climbing. Yeah. Super, super important. And you know, <clears throat> if you're losing them every six weeks, like that's not long. Like, especially right. I want things that are, oh, this took me three sessions to send. I want to repeat, repeat that. And if I try and find five of those, okay, that takes me 15 sessions essentially. Well, you know, we'll assume I climb on more than one each. Let's say it takes 10 sessions. Okay, that's like three weeks. Yeah. Like, I'm going to lose those soon. Yeah, I I very often program for my clients like and, and give them specific instructions to let's, let's do our warm-ups and our drills and um, – flashing and things like that let's do that out in the main gym area mm -hmm. um when it and many projects out in the main gym area but then when it's time to build a circuit or uh, have a long-term project let's do that on the spray wall or on the boards yeah. where you know it's not going to go away we can still be working on it the next cycle if we want to you know we can keep these same boulders in the in the training cycle next time for your circuits if if we're still working on the same project route um you know it just doesn't make sense to get attached in that way to boulders that are out in the main gym area yeah yeah and i hear what you're saying <laughs> but i wanted more three-dimensional come things. on nate it made like it made sense for my goals like i was like i need more three-dimensional more powerful <clears throat> climbing like yeah that that's I'm one of the tough things about the boards um that I often lament is like, oh, you have a, you know, 25 move compression project you're working on. Tough. <laughs> Sorry. There's no boards that do that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we had a moon board and a spray wall and I used both. And I think both are great tools, but man, it, you know, for the things I wanted to do, I like also like for me personally, it was really helpful to climb on things that I didn't set. Because, mm -hmm. man, I am really good at playing to my strengths yeah. in a way that's just weird enough where I'm like, that's kind of that's kind of a yeah. weakness, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't normally have my foot <laughs> facing that way, but everything else is just like locked in. Right. Like I'm, you know. Uh, last thing I'll say on turnover rate is competitions. Mm. You got to deal with those. Sometimes yeah. they're the worst. Some gyms, I'm not going to name names right now, but uh, I have several clients in a certain part of the country We'll all climb at a uh, same gym and this gym will have comp series for part of the year where it's like, okay, they close the gym essentially for a full, like they'll close the bouldering area for a full week, once a month for like wow. three months in a row. And I'm about to like call up the owner at this point. Cause I'm just like, Hey, you are fucking up all of my clients right now. <laughs> like we got shit to send. This is your fault. And all of them are just like, Hey, yeah. Like, <clears throat> like they have to get punch passes to another gym. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real thing for sure. Um, comps, especially, you know, during the comp season, you have to be really careful about it. It could be a brand new set. Gone. It just got set a week ago. And you're like, hell yeah, this is going to be in my circuit for the next six weeks. 
gone next time you come in the gym because there's a comp coming up. Yeah. In the new comps, that might be super sparse. It also might be comp styled. Mm -hmm. Weird. But <laughs> not only that, like the setters probably aren't going to come and backfill super quick because they're exhausted because setting for a comp is tiring. Yeah. Like it's a lot of work, a lot of forerunning. So it Big might job. be blank for a while. Yep. Totally. And we've, we talked a little bit about crowds um, in the turnover rate and how the crowds sort of, sort of move from one section to the next um, herd mentality. Um, but we haven't really talked about crowds in general or team kids. Um, mm -hmm. That's our that's our number three here, crowds and team kids. Um, death taxes and team kids. Death taxes and team kids. They're the only things you can be sure of to ruin your day. Yeah. And it's... It's a real thing in a lot of gyms and certainly in the gyms that I climbed in on team kid night, it was like, don't even bother. Yeah. You know? But I'm curious if the big mega gym like you were in, were team kids ever a thing there? Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to mince any words here. The look on your face. Yeah. There were team kids. Mm. And you know, the thing is bigger gyms typically like to have bigger teams. Sure. Um, not only because sometimes teams can, uh, bring in revenue, but also a lot of gyms feel like there is clout to having a good competitive team. Right. Right. So they try and build up the teams as big as possible. And, you know, a lot of climbers like to go to the new set whenever it's up and turns out. So do teams. Team kids are climbers. Imagine yeah, that. exactly. And I get, and here's the thing too. It's like, you know, when a nine-year-old cuts me off eight times in a row to go to the wall, like I can't be like, hey, this is your fault. You're, You're not just going to stomp that kid? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe back in TBA. <clears throat> I've actually saved a lot of children's lives that in the gyms. Too. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of like air traffic control mm -hmm. of like telling people not to like, hey, stop, don't cut down climb. There's a child walking under you. I know they have a team shirt on. They should know better, but oh, they yeah. don't. Oh yeah, I have snatched some kids up <laughs> off the mats like to their terror. And I'm like, I just saved your life, homie. Dude, so a lot of that, um, and I get it. You know, if you're a competitor, you're trying to do new boulders you've never seen. That is what a competition is. So mm -hmm. newer sets um, and if you're a team, you're going to travel as a team around the gym. Yep. So it's like, oh, we have this, you know, this cluster of 14 children. We're going to take them to this wall now. And it's probably going to be a newer set or just anything that's like popular. Or if it's a, like stronger kids, <clears throat> they're going to go to a harder set. Um, 14 of them. Yeah. And they're all going to be doing the, you know, they're all needing to get in on the wall. And like, that's a lot of people. It can get hectic. So that's something that you kind of have to work around. I know people that will change their training schedules around when kids aren't there. Yep. It used to be easier. Um, a lot of teams used to just train two to three days a week, but it's really common now that kids, I mean, kind of the standard in competitors is like, man, they'll have those kids train three to five days a week. Yeah. Um, like weekdays. More and more like gymnastics. Yeah. And you'll also see they're like, oh, we have our competitive A team, competitive B team. We have the uh, the rec the, team, the rec team, the yeah. maybe pre-comp team. <clears throat> We're going to have them all train different days so that they're not overlapping. Wow. Before you know it from like, you know, it's essentially from like 5 to 8 p.m. every weeknight during the season, which now is like seemingly year around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, that is a, that's a real thing. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, I won't go on this tangent any longer, 
but team death taxes team kids uh <laughs> real thing and i mean as far as i know the best method is to if you have the privilege of being able to move your schedule around move your schedule around um you know maybe spending time on the older sets is a smart idea when you know the team kids are going to be in there like plan that as your day of repeats or something like that and don't make it your flash boulder day you know yeah. if if you know the team kids are going to be there cuz they're going to be on your flash boulders and you're not going to get a turn yeah you know if they do come to the old set face push them out of the way you're bigger <laughs> than them like we're adults we pay Again, bills we can not do this recommended <laughs> Um, most of the time. Most of the time. <clears throat> but yeah, so team kids. And then crowds. So there's like, I have this kind of split into two groups. There are, you know, crowds in general, which I think you can in one way use to your advantage and one way maybe you want to avoid. And then there are also just other climbers that, you know, if we're talking about climbing at small gym or climbing at a home wall, there is an advantage to having other climbers around you. Yeah. Um, so if we're looking at crowds, like if you have some sort of like anxiety around climbing uh, with other people near you, they, that can kind of be useful. It's a good way to work on it. Like you want to go climb classic boulders, classic routes outside, other people do too. Yep. Like the more stars there are, the more people you're going to have. Absolutely. And I don't so, even see stars as quality anymore. I just see it as how big the crowd's going to be around the boulder. <laughs> exactly. Five. Yeah. Oh, there's this boulder with uh, six five-star lines and everything from V2 to V8. Oof. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Let's add that up. 30 total stars. That's approximately 300 people. Yes. Um, so that can be a good way to practice, even if you're just on the outskirts. Like getting used to climbing around other people, negotiating lines with other people, huge. Mm -hmm. Um, so that can be helpful, but you know, if you, uh, you know, if you're busy and you need to get in and out, find ways around crowds, like don't go on the nights they set. Like that's something that can work really well. Like let's say if they set Tuesday, Thursdays, you know, do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, things yep. like that. That's going to be way less busy just as a default. Cause a lot of people do like to line up with when the sets are. Yep. Saturday um, late morning is probably a no, no. And a lot of places that there's going to be a lot of birthday parties and, oh yeah, you know, Cub Scout groups and things like that. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Momentum Silver Street. They did not allow birthday parties. Wow. Really? Yeah. We brought up Sydney Smith earlier <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, when they were first open in the gym, they were like, should we do birthday parties? She was like, no. Nah. <laughs> they were like, but it brings in money. She was like, yeah, but so do adults who don't like kids. <laughs> And we're in downtown Houston. <laughs> face palm. Like, you, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And have a lot less uh, face push children. <laughs> we don't have birthday parties. No birthday parties. I got to say, man, what a blessing. We talked about crowds and like the bad things, team kids, whatever. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could ban little children parties. I mean, I'm all for that. And yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> when I, when I climbed at RockQuest in Cincinnati, uh, this is one of the benefits of a crowd, actually. You knew coming in on a Saturday that there were going to be a Cub Scout group, a birthday party, a bunch of people just wandered in, whatever. Mm -hmm. It was going to be packed in there, you know, yeah. full of a bunch of people who didn't know a whole lot about climbing. So you knew 
walking into the building that there was going to be a line for the 40-foot horizontal roof that went out over the entire gym. <laughs> and there were going to be Cub Scouts clapping for whoever it was that was being lowered off the end of it yeah. every single weekend. So it's a benefit that you get to show off, but <laughs> yeah. maybe check your ego and try to improve at climbing instead of just playing for the crowd. Yeah. Um. So yeah, crowds like, you know, if you're busy, try and avoid them. Climb on older sets. Like we talked about boards and spray walls, both can be great. Yep. Um, I got to say like the moon board at Momentum, didn't matter. There could be 600 people in the gym, be two people on that moon board. Yeah. And you know, one of the, one of the negatives of a training area that we'll talk about uh, later on in this podcast is that it's a little bit intimidating sometimes to walk in there, mm -hmm. but that can also be a big positive when it's a crowded day at the gym. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll play it up. I'm wearing all black over in the corner, hood up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's 98 degrees outside. I got my hood up and I'm just mean mugging people. Like, got temporary no. face tattoos that I put it, on. Exactly. <laughs> Does that guy moonboarding have the same Mike Tyson tribal tattoo on his eye? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like these are my LEDs. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so you can avoid them. But I will say there's a way that you know, other people in these big mega gyms can be helpful. Um, something that was really tough for me was the fact that as an outdoor climber, I climb grades worse indoors. Same. Like, especially in more like big gyms that set these like powerful, more simple styles. Like I use intermediates. I use a lot of foot moves. Like that's just not a thing. And man, they're all so strong. Yeah. Like one of my favorite stories so I got a buddy that I climb with who I also train now back in Houston who has climbed outside a bunch and really takes it seriously. And he's climbed up to V12 outside. He's a good climber. But like me, maybe doesn't show it that much in the gym. Mm -hmm. Like you see him, you're like, oh, he's just kind of like average, strong, strong guy in the gym. So one day we're climbing <laughs> and this uh, guy comes up who's real strong, very gym strong. And like, he's just, he looks over my buddy, Brian. He's just like, you know, how, how hard do you climb? Brian's just like, oh, he's like, I've climbed V12 outside. And the guy pauses, looks him up and down. And he's like, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it. So every time I see Brian, just like anytime, like we went on a trip to Waco together and he like fell off, you know, the warm, like slipped off the warm up or something. Just looked at him. I was like, I don't see it. <laughs> Man, you just you just named my next proven plan, Jim Strong. This one's for the bros. <laughs> but man, they're like initially it was honestly it was actually kind of hard to climb around for my ego because everyone is so physically strong. Yeah. Like just in this raw, simple power style. But you know what? Like eventually I leaned into it and I was like, hey, I'm going to try and climb around these people more because this is a style I was bad at. Yeah. Um and I can honestly say, like, after two years, like, I feel like that has become, it's maybe not my, I wouldn't call it my greatest strength, but it is no longer a weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Super important, I think, to, to at least occasionally embrace those crowds. And, and even the team kids, you know, watch some nine-year-olds flash a project. I, I There's some really good kid climbers. It's cool to see. It's like, good for your ego, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, it is rad seeing how good youth climbers are. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's take a break. 
Are you searching for a training structure that actually works? For over a decade, we've helped climbers prepare for their goals. We've seen patterns emerge, showing what's most effective for each level of climber. Those patterns became our proven plans, a training system that you can follow from complete beginner to V double digits. Delivered through our mobile app with workouts geared toward your goals and focused on improving not only strength and power, but tactics and mindset as well, each proven plan comes with a built-in group chat and an option to work directly with one of our coaches. We don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach to climbing. You shouldn't either. All right, we have returned. We're talking about how to survive in the modern mega climbing gym. Um, next up on the list is a training area. Number one, I think it's amazing that training areas have popped up and are so prevalent mm -hmm. in these climbing gyms. It was a struggle <laughs> to get a training area in gyms um, that I grew up in. <clears throat> you know, there would be like one hangboard and maybe a campus board. And a member bought that hangboard. Yeah, absolutely. And and built the stand that it was on. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um there were very rarely weights in the gym. Um, very rarely, I mean, you never saw a barbell. There was certainly not a barbell in gyms back then. I couldn't honestly tell you the first time I saw a barbell in a climbing gym. It honestly wasn't that long ago. Yeah, absolutely. Like maybe in the last five, <clears throat> five, six years. Absolutely. I, you know, training has exploded in the last five or six years. And it's just taken for granted now that your gym's going to have a training area. And, yeah. and I think there's some pros and cons to these training areas. Um, number one, I think there, there are just too many options in a lot of these <laughs> training areas. You know? Too damn nice. It's too damn nice. Too many <laughs> options. Too many gimmicks. Um, tough for people to know what to do. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of minimalizing and not giving a million options. Just give the options that actually make sense for the largest cross section of people. Mm -hmm. So, and you went to, you climbed in a gym that had one of the largest training areas I've ever seen. It was beautiful. Honestly, like <clears throat> I miss it. Like it was so nice. I mean, I feel like if Rogue the company Rogue made anything, they had like at least two of it. Yeah. It was insane. It was, but yeah, it was overwhelming. There was a lot of stuff. Um, and there were a lot of people. So there were a couple of ways you kind of had to work around it. Like to me, one was figuring out what was popular. Mm -hmm. Generally, bench press. Um, <laughs> really? At the climbing gyms? Oh man. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I had no idea. Bros love their bench press. I thought it would just be like a line of 27 people deadlifting. There was also, that was the second thing I was going to say. Deadlifting <laughs> was way, like, to the point where they had a shocking number of barbells. I mean, maybe a dozen barbells. Wow. Four types, too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Gosh. I know. It, once again, like, it's funny. Part of I, me loves it. Part of me is like, come on, man. Yeah. I had uh, some hip tendonitis, some, I think, two years ago, and... I worked with a physical therapist from Barbell Medicine and he was like, okay, well, you know, you're a climbing gym. What kind of, what kind of equipment you got? And I like took some photos. <laughs> I took some photos and sent to him mostly as a joke without saying anything. Cause I was like, he's going to lose his mind. And he was, he was like, I might, he's like, I would train here. 
Yeah. If, like, how much is, is a membership to your climbing gym? Yeah. This is a guy who's like overhead strict press is like 200 pounds. And he's like, I would train at your climbing gym. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, yeah, it's, it's dumb. We have like quadruples of every kettlebell <clears throat> up to like 90 pounds. Um, but things get busy. Deadlifting, super, super popular. Uh, squat racks are typically pretty filled. Um, a lot of bench pressing, a lot of cardio machines. More than anything, to me, the biggest was finding what wasn't going to be busy and then kind of planning my schedule around that, mm-hmm. um, which it can be helpful to just understand alternatives. Like, because there were times where I was like, hey, I'm going to deadlift this phase. Like, just standard conventional deadlift. Man, I would, I might work late, be a little bit busy. I might not get into like 7 p.m. I get there. It's like, oh, cool. Every barbell is taken. Yep. Like, and go use a Saxon bar or something. <laughs> they didn't have a Saxon bar, but it, that would have been taken for sure. That would have been kind of cool. Absolutely, that would have been taken. There would have been a line for the yeah, Saxon bar. For sure. But if you do understand, you know, either you know, double kettlebell deadlifts or swings or, yeah, you know, something else that you can do in place of it, I think that's really smart. So some some self-education, really good way to go. Totally. Understanding variations. um, understanding different equipment and fortunately like having worked as a strength coach in the past i got i was very comfortable alternating different modalities mm-hmm. um and plus it's fun and that's for me that's one of my notes is i think when you have a million options go ahead and just pick like two or three th- tools and say hey i'm going to use this for the next like three months yep keep like, it simple so i'll be like hey i'm going to do kettlebells <clears throat> and rings one of my favorite combos like I'm just gonna do kettlebells and Same. rings, because then I'm not gonna get bogged down with well. There's also the barbell. There is all these other calisthenic things I can do. There are dumbbells. There's all these know. quarter pound plates I could be putting on. There are so many quarter pound plates I could be putting on. <laughs> yeah, and so I would just like play around, or sometimes I'd be like, I'm just gonna do calisthenics and dumbbells. Like, and do, I would do that for like two months. And I mean, like honestly, you can get strong doing whatever. Yeah, lots of people have. I don't. I don't care with the 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 internet trainers all say you don't have to be doing huge compound lifts all of the time in order to get strong yeah lots of people get really strong off bodyweight exercises so yeah yeah so i think that can be really helpful is pick a few tools kind of dive into them have fun and like have that be your focus you know a lot of the little gyms i've trained at or home walls are so limited it's like okay they have two kettlebells, three dumbbells, not sizes, dumbbells. Right, right. Like, oh, we've got the, you're using the 15? Okay, cool, I'll wait. <laughs> like, or I'll, I'll yeah. try with the 40 because that's the next jump we've got. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, yeah, there's like a, a 10, a 15, and a 40 dumbbell for, I don't, yeah. But in those facilities, I almost never heard people complain about what was there. It was like, you just made do. Yeah. But suddenly, like, the more equipment you have, the more... It's like kind of the paralysis by analysis um, of just like, oh, there's so many things or like, you know, they've got four different rogue barbells and they're like, well, but, you know, it'd be nice if they had more of them with knurling in the middle for my single arm deadlifts. Right, right. That was actually me making that complaint, but. Well, (laughs) (laughs) got to complain about something. Yeah, exactly. I I think keeping it simple is the way to go there, you know, especially with strength training. Um, Like we mentioned before the break, walking into a training area when there are a bunch of people in there really focused everybody's got headphones on they're all training it can be really intimidating you Mm -hmm. know 
Um, boards are relatively small. So if there's already two people at the board, it's like, I, I don't know if I can join in on that session. You know, who takes over the app? How's this going to go? That Mike Tyson dude's mean mugging me. <laughs> yeah, that dude with the face tats. Uh, <laughs> he certainly wants to climb by himself. Um, but I don't think it needs to be. And yeah. And I want to be careful when I'm saying this, but I certainly think there is, there can be a group of people who are like, they're purposely making it a little intimidating, you know, they're, and maybe they are dicks that that's absolutely a thing at the climbing gym. Um, however, it's most of the time it's not like that. Yeah. And, and we have to look at our own selves and try to get through the intimidation factor. You know, a lot of that is you. It's you being intimidated. Um, the place is not necessarily intimidating. So tr work to get over that. And then if there, there is somebody in there being a dick, you know, it's not you that's imagining this shit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that's one thing I hear a lot of that, that I don't think is true. I hear it. Like about the mother load at the red. It's so intimidating there. No, I'm like, yeah. man, it's it's a much nicer place to climb than like the five twelve crag because those people have the giant fucking egos. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah. So give it a try. Lean into it. Um certainly could be a problematic atmosphere. The climbing's not immune to that, but make sure you're checking yourself first. Absolutely. You know, and I joke around about mean mugging and fake face tats, but realistically, like, man, the training areas are always like people are serious. If, you know, they may have headphones on, they're maybe writing down numbers and they're like zeroed in. But man, a lot of my favorite conversations I ever had in that gym were like under the hangboard. Yeah. You know, and I never had an issue with anyone working in. And, you know, if there is, if you do run into someone who's a dick, the cool thing is they're probably the only one and everyone else thinks it too. Yeah. So you now have a connection point with everyone else. It's like, <laughs> totally. man, ain't that guy a What's dick? What's that guy's problem? Yeah, and they're like, right? <clears throat> he yeah. sucks. And you're mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm Nate. Like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you're in. Like, but I agree. They can be intimidating, but, you know, I mean, I've never, like, I've never been bothered by someone coming up and, like, chatting with me. If I'm busy, I'll be like, hey, like, I'll still communicate with you, but, like, I'm working through my reps. So, you know, as long as it doesn't bother you that I'm like going to pause for 10 seconds at a time as I do hangs or you right. know, as I do these swings, we're, we're here. Let's, you know, hang out. Yep. Do you have any strategies uh, and maybe how does it work? Because I haven't spent any time in a commercial gym, um, regularly going to boards. How does the like who controls the app work or um, getting into a session where there's already three people on the moon board? Um, what's that look like? Oh, it can be different. Um, normally I'm always like, I feel like it's always that thing where you're like, oh no, 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 you take the app, you take the app. But then when someone's like, doesn't offer, like even <laughs> if you were going to say no, you're like, no, you could have offered. But um, I don't know. I've never really had a big issue. Like I've got a good enough memory. And typically I'll talk with people like if I'm circuiting, like if I'm going through a bunch of boulders, like, I'll be like, hey, here's what I'm doing. I'm circuiting. A lot of times people will come back and they're like, oh, I just wanted to get away from a crowd. Like, can I circuit with you? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Um, or sometimes if people are like projecting something, 
and I'm circuiting, I've had people be like, hey, I'm trying the same boulder for the next 30 minutes. It's four holds. You want to use it because I see you having to memorize all these boulders. But otherwise, like, it's not, I don't think it's too big of a deal. Like, if you're, com- if you're familiar with whatever the board is, it's easy enough. The tension board app is really nice because it has the auto log out. Mm. So, like, you can set it to where after five seconds of you selecting yours, someone else can connect. So mm. you climb yours, and then they immediately can just, like, hit the button, and it lights up theirs. Mm, that's that's I- cool. That's ideal. Moon, get on this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I know there are some folks who have, you know, some issues with jumping into those kind of sessions. So I think communication goes a really long way. And it's a great way to learn the communication at the crag, too. Yeah. You know, when you roll up to a boulder and there are already 12 people there sessioning the boulder, it can be a little stressful to try to figure out how to cycle in with that crew or if there's a queue under your sport route or whatever. Yeah, you know, but if you walk up, like if I go up to a boulder outdoors and there's a bunch of people working on it, you know, I'll be like, hey, y'all want some extra pads? Mm. Step, next thing I do, pull out my brush. I start brushing holds. Totally. Like, man, they're already like, hey, it's one of us. We're good. (laughs) Yep, exactly. All right, uh, next up, one of the things that is heard really often, um, I hear the 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 most complaints about this in the modern mega gym era frankly mm-hmm. and that's the setting style um too compy too compy too many big holds which we've already talked about but you know a lot of people are making the case and and in some cases it's it's a valid argument that it do, it's not really the same style that you're climbing outside. You don't mm-hmm. find these kind of boulders outside. Yeah. Um, and I think the setting nowadays is much, 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 much better. Yeah. Um, I think it's a better environment for the setters. I think it's better for the gyms. I think it's better for climbers in general. Um, but there are, there, there are also still plenty of lazy setters out there. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not high-fiving every setter out there. You know who you are if you're just a fucking lazy. Um, it definitely still happens where the only way of making something more difficult is putting the holds further apart, making a hold worse. You know, mm-hmm. there's no creativity to it. But I'd say by and large, setters are good. They think about these things. They've put a lot of thought. They've been educated about how to make boulders or how to make roots. Yeah. Um, and I think really what's happening is that they're moving away from outdoor styles that we understand or that we can readily identify. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, most of these gyms I've been to that set with some comp styles, I can absolutely tie this to something I would use out, outdoors. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's, you know, people also say, oh, well, you're just going to get injured because they're like big shoulder moves. Yo, I don't know if you've gone outside, but <laughs> you use your shoulders there too. Like, There's this thing that we all do, and I, I think it's really fascinating, and I'd love to... I would love to survey people, like a large group of people. Whenever you think about climbing, and because people will say, oh, well, you know, hard climbing is all about the posterior chain. You never use the front of your body. Or they're like, well, I was telling you yesterday, when I started climbing, someone was like, well, you know, outdoor rock climbing is just crimps. Pinches don't exist outdoors. <laughs> yeah. And we all have these mental models we create. Like, what is, when you think about, okay, I want to train, what muscles do I train, <clears throat> what kind of things should I do? What is the thing you think of? Like there was a time where to me, it was like, oh, 
it's a 45 and a crimp ladder. Like right. that was what, I was like, that's rock climbing. And it's funny because I had climbed outside plenty, but my default mental model was that. Yeah. Like I didn't think, oh, I do these weird moves where I ball up, get into a bicycle, but my right arm is fully extended in like an iron cross. And then I, you know, like trust fall backwards into an undercling. Yeah. But or, that's or I'm just bumping my hand six inches, but it took me 17 seconds to get in position to do that. Yes. You know? <laughs> like that's not... That was not my default mental model. And it's still right. not my def default mental model. And you shouldn't have one. Like you should have many, many ones that you go through. But I do think we all have a few that we like to latch to. Yeah. And that's where I believe a lot of complaints against indoor setting comes from is like, oh, well, that's competition climbing. It's not like outdoors. And, you know, that's just injury prone. Like uh, one of my favorites is, uh, that these aren't like, these moves aren't uh, like biomechanical or, you know. Biomechanically advantageous. Yeah, they don't, they, they, they put don't you in, fit with in your, advantageous positions. Exactly. They're like, well, it, you know, it doesn't go with how your body should go in the right How positions. your shoulder's supposed to be when you do this move. Yeah. I was just looking at a paper that's the next one um, Paul and I are going to do for Breaking Beta. By the time you hear this episode, we'll have done it already. So checking, check out Breaking Beta season two, episode two. And... They very clearly say this is the correct shoulder position. Everything else is incorrect. I'm like, wow. I, so I got one rock climb I can do. Yeah. And that's just <laughs> it. Like humans don't make outdoor rock climbs. Right. Like we, and that's what's really cool about it. Like it's, you know, it's just this structure and it's how do I conform myself yeah. to this structure? But a lot of us want these structures to be conformed to us. Yeah. And a lot of like good or just fun route setting, like it does conform to us. Like, ooh, this foot's where I want it. Like I hit this hold and it's at just enough of a side pull that my wrist is in a beautiful neutral position, as comfortable as it'll ever be, you know, all these things. And that is fun to us. But, you know, you talked about lazy setting. Like I think any route setter who's been in the game for two years can set fun, simple, flowy climbing because it's yeah. not hard. But to be able to push the barriers of, I want to challenge you as a climber. I want to challenge myself as a setter to see what's possible. I want to prepare you for things you're going to experience in the future. Like that takes work and that's not comfortable. It's not this beautiful, flowy, comfy thing. It can be fun and it can be cool and it can challenge you in the right ways. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not whatever, like we all default to just wanting fun, comfy, flowy stuff. Yeah, and I, I like your, you know, you're talking about these mental models that we have. I've, I've seen uh, an article in, I think, Gripped Magazine where they talked about um, spray walls and boards shouldn't have kickers because rock doesn't break except for in parallel planes. So no outdoor boulders have kickers. Amazing. Like, okay. Um <laughs> Rock in Wyoming and Texas and Chattanooga and the rocks I saw in Utah just West last Virginia week. and Utah. That's all different because <laughs> I've seen kickers on outdoor boulders a million times. Yeah. Um, and it would, but that's the mental model of that author is that rock somehow is created in perfect 45 degree angles all the time. And that's not, that's not reality, you know? 
I had a conversation with John Sherman uh, in Waco Tanks, and I've brought this up on the podcast before, but he said when they were first developing Waco Tanks, they, they walked past every one of the compression boulders. Um, all of these famous boulders that are there now, they walked right past them and thought, there's no boulder there. There are yeah. no holds. There are no holds. Not in the way we understand them. You know, we don't understand the way to fit your body around these features and make it climbable. And it's certainly possible that these things that are up on gym walls now that we don't recognize as outdoor boulders are just because we've never encountered these things indoors either. Mm -hmm. They're new movements to us. And maybe once we get better versed in these things, we'll start to see them outside. These affordances will start to appear for us that we didn't recognize before. You know, same as we see in a lot of new videos of old boulders outside where kids are double dinoing and paddle dinoing from holds one hold to another and making it look way easier than keeping the tension the way that we always did, you know? Yeah. You know, a cool example, uh, John Cardwell, pro climber, who is, I would say, I mean, our generation's old school climber in the sense that he's been climbing since he was little, like mm -hmm. probably since maybe close to the nineties. Um, he was a little taught at that point, but he's trying Esperanza right now. And he couldn't consistently do the span move from the ground. He's inverting and throwing a toe hook into the finish jug and walking his hands up from there. Mm. Amazing. Super yeah. cool. Like, new school beta. New school beta on a very old school mm. climb that a lot of people have done. And he's like, I wouldn't even call him a new school climber. It's not like he's some, you know, 16 year old who inverts all the time. Right. But he took this new school and he was like, oh, like this thing that maybe I thought was impossible because of my wingspan before, there's a way. Yeah, I, I love these comp style boulders and comp style setting. It's one of the first places I go when I walk into a modern mega gym. You know, first, I do the like compression slopey boulders that make me look really good. Yeah. And then I go to these comp style boulders because they're, they're opening me up to new moves I've never experienced. They make me think in a different way. They make me organize my body in a different way. And that stuff's just going to carry over to opening up new new beta possibilities on boulders that you find really difficult. It's going to allow me to see different boulders when I'm out looking at new things. And I'm like, well, that's clearly not a boulder. That can't be climbed. Yeah. Oh, but what if I were to invert, you know, what if I were to be able to paddle dyno? Would this work? You know, I... I just think the the old guard who views the 45-degree crimp ladder as the mental model of climbing is missing the boat entirely. Yeah. You know, and it is it is funny, too, because I remember when I started climbing, what was considered comp climbing then is now what people consider outdoor climbing. Because it was like right. big jumpy moves, like mm -hmm. but between like decent holds and it wasn't paddling. Like they think they're like, oh, that's like outdoor power style. But back then when everything was set as a spray wall, whenever you would have a comp and it was like these big jumping moves between like beefy holds, that was like, no, comp style. Yeah, you know, exactly. The climbing was supposed to be a line of crimps up a 45 degree wall that only one person in this group could hold on to, you know? Exactly. And I think, you know, we make the argument with this comp style stuff, um, 
you know, well, the reason they have to go to that is because all the climbers are so strong and anybody could hold on to these crimps now. And I think that's probably true, but they're also, like I said, opening up entirely new movements to us. And I think that's way more important than it's being given credit for. Totally. So if you're in these gyms and they, you know, they have this style that you don't like, that you're like, I'm never going to use this outside. Even if you don't use that exact style, it's still teaching you some things about how you organize your body, how you view beta, what the possibilities might be. Spend some time on those things. It doesn't have to be all of your time, but maybe don't just thumbs down your gym because that's a lot of the setting. Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of these big macro holds are just like climbing outside. Except for climbing outside isn't, you know, a big pink hold where you only use, you know, a tiny percentage of the hold. It's a giant boulder where you only use a tiny percentage of the boulder. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that this setting style is perfect and that it's the only, like, it's, I don't think it's actually fitting everything we need for climbing outside. In fact, I want it to be a little more fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. outdoor climbing is weird. And unfortunately... A lot of people don't like weird. Like, yeah. you know, I wrote a blog a couple of years ago. It was something like uh, outdoor classics would make terrible gym climbs. Yeah. And it's true. Like so many amazing or just like so many boulders outside that are wonderful challenges where you're like, this is so unique and so cool. They have sharp holds and they're like, the holds are facing the really wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you're applying a ton of pressure with your feet to like an uncomfortable degree. It's hard for all the wrong reasons. Man, no one would climb those in the gym. I want them. Like, I would love if they were there. And I would love for route setting to, like, incorporate more of that. And some places do. But it's, like, I get why you wouldn't. Because people would just be like, this is trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you can't get over yourself and, you know, you're, you're just going to complain every time you go in the gym because of the setting, you've got the boards. Your gym, your modern mega gym probably has a training area that has all the boards. And... You know, they've been put together specifically by people who are training for outdoor rock climbing and they're trying to make it more like outdoor rock climbing. So by all means, go and climb on those things. I think they're a really valuable tool, um, you know, but maybe as you get older, you'll, you'll, you'll check yourself. Maybe as you get older, you're just going to go deeper into the, the grumpy rabbit hole that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, one last thing I'll say about route setting and something that I benefited from a lot was I used to, from climbing outside, like indoors there there are a lot more shouldering moves and you can find a lot more of these aggressive moves um, in that style, like big, wide moves, jumpy moves. And for me, like I hadn't done nearly as much outside and a lot of that is my style. I love keeping my feet on. Like that is something that... It's probably because I got good at it, and so I just did it more, and I found ways to keep my feet on even for jump moves. But when I first went to this gym in Houston, man, every now and then I'd find these boulders where I'm like, this is just heinous. And they all were set by the same person. And what I ended up doing at one point, I was like, well, like I can't do these boulders. Even like V7s, I would, it would take me a lot of work or it would make my shoulders like kind of grumpy. So I started doing shoulder mobility work, like weighted mobility work. So I do like kettlebell pullovers. I would do 
inverted iron cross work with uh, dumbbells. Like I was doing all these things to make my shoulders stronger. And I sought out this one setter. Like mm-hmm. anytime he put a boulder up and ne- it's funny because now I can just like, I don't have to look at the tags. I know which ones are his, but it, yeah, I like sought out his stuff and I would always just first thing priority was to climb his stuff. Yeah. I, I love having a setter friend of me. Oh, it was. You know, uh, your, your Lex <laughs> Luthor that you know is going to set something that you absolutely hate love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's amazing to have. Yeah. And, you know, a turning point for me was one day I had walked in and they were route setting or they were uh, forerunning and I watched him climb on his boulders. Mm. And I was like, God damn it. These aren't, <laughs> these aren't like, these aren't just heinous and weird. It's like, because watching him, he's wildly strong through his upper body and like you know he just looked like a piece of steel when he would like hit these gastons and i was like that'd be nice i'd I'd like some of that for myself Mm -hmm. you know maybe i should work towards this here's how you get it yeah exactly he laid out a roadmap yep good news i've laid it out for you and it's funny because man we'd be i'd be climbing in there and all the time people would be like oh you know this person's bolder they're like they're just it's just always so shouldery and powerful and i was like yep you should do it. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. So, yeah, if you like find yourself a setter friend of me, yeah, like, absolutely. That's may- one of the best things you can have. Maybe go to the comment box and be like, hey, send me some more of those iron cross. Like, I love those iron cross uh, footless boulders you're setting. <laughs> can we get some more of those? Yeah. Hey, arch rival. Hey, arch rival. <laughs> more kryptonite, please. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And if you are in the the modern mega gym world, specifically in Salt Lake City, uh, and looking for somebody to help guide you through the modern mega climbing gym, yeah, uh, Nate is doing uh, private coaching at the Momentum Gyms yep. in Salt Lake. So um, reach out to him. You can find him at at Nate Drolet on Instagram. Uh, you can also get a hold of him through our website, which is powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us at Power Company Climbing on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, Pinterest, YouTubes, all the places, except for the Twitter, because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. time,